Hey, what's up everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. All right, Buzz Buzz babies, welcome back to another episode of Blake's Buzz. We've got a massive, awesome episode for you this week. Our guest has done a little bit of everything. He's written for Titans. He's written for DC. He's written X-Men at Marvel and Killmonger. He's got some amazing indie books out there. I'm sitting here with Brian Edward Hill, ladies and gentlemen. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is awesome. Well, thank you for having me, man. That was like the Dusty Rhodes intro right there. Like, that was... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something, Daddy. <laughs> You know what hard times is? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to tell them about some hard times. <laughs> hard times when you're working 30 years at that job and they kick you in the butt, tell you to go home because they were patient with a computer. That's hard times, Jack. <laughs> Okay, yeah, for sure, for sure. You just wrapped up uh, Chariot at, at AWA, and I, I, we all liked it as readers, but... We're about to see that we're about to see the the sexiest car in the world on the silver screen. It sounds like yes. Yeah, so so uh, Kaczynski's developing it to be uh, be a movie. Um, but you know, honestly, that happens with most comics. Oh, really? really? In some yeah. I mean, we're in a we're I mean, you know just to just to be real, kind of with the audience. You know, like most of the time, um, a comic book will get you know, sort of picked up to get developed and turned into a thing because that's just kind of how the, the game works these days. Mm. Um, and, you know, Joe's a hell of a director and I, and I hope they get the movie off of the ground. But, you know, there's oftentimes no guarantee that when something gets picked up to be a thing, you're actually going to get a movie. You know what I mean? Like it, it's there's a whole lot of things that have to happen. <laughs> in between that announcement and being able to go watch the movie, right? Is that so, what it means when they say it's optioned then? Is it just yeah, the, the option to be turned into a movie technically? Totally. Okay. Option is a business term that, that means that someone has purchased the exclusive rights to something with the intent to develop it, you know, as a television show or a film, right? Okay. So it's been optioned. Right. Um, and options have different lengths of time. You know, sometimes you get an option for like years. Sometimes it can be six months, what have you. But it's the first step in the process. You know, okay. I mean, like the way it has to work is normally like somebody options of something. 
um, someone's hired to write a screenplay, you know, that screenplay has to make it through the development process. Studio has to green light that screenplay, you know, like all these different things have to happen. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really cool that, that Kaczynski responded to it because I dig his work, um, a lot, but you know, it's just, there's a, there's a path. <laughs> and so we are in the, we're on the first couple's we are taking the first steps on a long journey. We'll we'll see like where where it goes from here, but it's always flattering if someone's interested for sure. Yeah, it, well, and it's it's such a cinematic uh, comic too. I mean, even the the opening scene is, is there's there's no no dialogue. It's all you know racing along a, a canyon and and you know that the car flies off and lands in the ocean and that's that's how the the crazy story begins. I don't think I've ever seen Priscilla's artwork before Chariot and I mean mm, her and Marco mm. that's like the one of the best art teams I think I've come across in a long time man. Like every page of that was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean the reason I wanted to do the book was really to work with Priscilla. I've been familiar with Priscilla's art for a long time. Um uh, I forgot when I first encountered it. I think I just might have seen her posting images up on a Twitter feed or something. And I just, mm. I just thought it was like really dope and sexy and cool. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit here and there. Uh, then when there was an opportunity to do a miniseries over at AWA, um, I mentioned it to her and I'm like, listen, you know, I, and it, just to be totally honest, um, I, I'm not, I'm not always chomping at the bit to do a miniseries for this new company or a thing like that. Like it's, you know, I'm busy. I have a lot of things I got going on, but I really wanted to work with her and I felt like the idea could be a, a really good platform for, for her skill, you know, like um, working with, a, with an artist is a lot like working with an actor or working with a musician in a way, you know, you're, you, you want to make sure that what you're doing is the best platform for their ability too. I felt like this could be something that could be really cool with her, with her providing the artwork. Um, I think she's got the right vibe for it. And I always wanted to be an art focused book, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, uh, a, a real strong visual experience. Uh, and, and she was on board with that. And Marco was great. Uh, and when I got the first images, you know, kind of back from her, I was like, okay, yeah, this is working out. This is working out really well. Um, so that was really the thing that drew me into the project uh, to begin with was, was working with her, you know? Um, and I just really hope that if, you know, if there is a movie um, and, and my guess is it will be largely influenced by her imagery. Uh, I hope that she gets the, the credit that she should get, you know, from the whole yeah. process, because a lot of that starts with what the artist is doing on the page. Um, and uh, uh, if there is, media to be made out of it um i really hope that priscilla gets the attention um and the credit she deserves for developing that that whole visual grammar yeah she should definitely be a, a name that like people know like every page was gorgeous like i found her on instagram and like her her sketches are are super beautiful and like i sexy is a like you said is a really great way to to pin her art because like she draws some very beautiful women but even like the car like the car is sexy it, it looks di different than anything thing like that that i've ever really seen you know like and yeah well there's a there's there's just like kind of a you know cool quality to the way she puts lines on a page like everything looks good you know it kind of reminds me of being a kid and watching tony scott movies you know when i was growing <laughs> up where just everyone looked good you know <laughs> 
you know, those like those like good like late 80s, 90s kind of action films. And she's got a real vibe that way. And uh, uh, and I'm drawn to that because I'm into like fashion. I'm into some other things, you know, and, and so I'm always looking for what's the combination of these things? You know, how can I do a comic book that also interfaces with the photography stuff that I'm into that can kind of hit some of the fashion stuff I'm into? And so Brosilla, she just like lives like in that in that spot. I mean, there's a couple artists out there whose work I love, like, you know, uh, never worked with Joelle, uh, Joelle Jones, mm. but she's also just got like a really cool vibe with her work. Uh, uh, Bill Quist uh, uh, has a really cool vibe too. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of drawn to that kind of thing. Um, nice. And it, it was a pretty, you know, easy, fun book to, to put together, knowing I was going to get that artwork back in my email every month. Uh, you mentioned photography, like you've been kind of posting uh, some of your old photography work online. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. my archive stuff, for sure, You're, for sure. You take some cool pictures, man, like Oh, you're you're, you're a very you. multifaceted writer. I mean, you're not just like you know you're you're in uh, you've done uh, TV work, uh, you know, with your work on Titans, and you've done some like like I said, you're a really good writer. Uh, you know, I know I know you're into video games. Like, have you gotten For to sure. do like any any video game work or anything? Because well, I feel no. like you've done like movies, comics. Like that's like kind of the next step, maybe. Yeah, right? I mean, there's a so a friend of mine, Blair Renault, um, is developing a. Uh, it, it was initially it was a VR game. Now I think it's going to be both VR and flat screen. It's called LoFi. And it's a cyberpunk kind of like cool cyberpunk um, sort of RPG kind of experience he's developing. And I've been helping him a little bit, just kind of giving him some, you know, some some narrative meat on the bone of his concept. And we've been going over things back and forth. And that's been a lot of fun because I'm, you know, I'm really interested in the tech space and I'm, I'm interested in storytelling in general, right? So I'm interested in storytelling on every platform you can tell the story on. I mean, I, you know, I would try to tell a story on this pair of sunglasses if I could figure out how to do it, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where the variety of my interests come from, you know, because I, I, I was an NYU guy. So I was a New York independent film guy. And I thought that I was going to have to understand how to do a lot of different things because I wouldn't always be able to get someone else to be able to do them for me. So when I came out of NYU, uh, I was, you know, I, 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 I played music a little bit, but I really started doubling down into music afterwards because I wanted to be able to write a score for a movie if I wanted to shoot a movie. I wanted to be able to score it without having to go find somebody to score it, you know, and, and then from filmmaking, photography was kind of an easy match. And so that kind of carried me over. So a lot of it is just the necessity of having to be able to do a bunch of things so that you're not stuck if you can't afford to hire someone to do this or hire someone to do that, you know, it's having like a genuine interest in things, you know? And so um, I've, I've never purely self-identified as a writer, really, but I'm a writer when I'm writing, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a statement, you know, it's kind of like, you are what you do, right? So while I'm writing, I'm a writer, while I'm taking a photograph, I'm a photographer, so on and so forth. If I'm singing on a microphone, I'm a singer while I'm doing it, right? So uh, I don't, obsess over definitions i know it's kind of like a it's like a hollywood thing you know to well this is the thing that you do <laughs> you do this this is all you already do that you know and that's that's sort of how that that business rolls in a lot of ways but I'm, i don't really think that way i um and i don't i don't encourage others to think that way honestly you know i think that uh you know you're, if you're interested in a bunch of things do a bunch of things um you know try to 
you know, keep, keep pressing yourself to get better. Um, don't get distracted to the point where you're not always growing and evolving. And then invariably, one of the things that you do is probably going to start paying your rent first, okay. right? And then that'll be how people know you, you know? So you could be like a comic book penciler who's also a rapper or something. I don't know, you know? <laughs> uh, and maybe your comic book penciling work takes off before your rapping does. And so the world might know you as like the guy who draws Green Lantern or something. But, you know, when you get done with your comic book work, you're writing bars and you're in front of the mic and you're, you know, you're doing the whole thing. Um, and I think that's cool, you know? So uh, that, that sort of like, you know, multifaceted sort of artistic interest thing. It's sort of where I, where I live. Um, so for people that know me, they, they, you know, know me for a long time. They know that oh, man, Brian's doing this and he's doing this other thing and he's doing that. But, but for people who just know me as a writer, sometimes you go to my Instagram and are like, whoa, <laughs> 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 you know, this is what I expected, you know, um, but, but yeah, yeah. I just try to, I just try to follow interest where it goes, man. Yeah. Well, you're, you're messing around in the studio right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't doing music for a long time. Um, mainly because it was never something that I wanted to turn into a revenue stream. You know, when, when, I, when I started making money as a writer, um, and this is like, ooh, going back about like maybe 12 years ago when I, when I sold uh, my first script to Hollywood. Um, I had done a couple things before that, but that script that I sold, that was really like the first thing that got the thing started. Uh, at that point, every time I wanted to think about a story, there was a voice in the back of my mind thinking about the revenue I could make from it. You know, the narrative idea would be like, oh, I could do that as a comic book. I could make, you know, I could make this or I could get that rate or I could, you know, it never went away. The, the money was always on the table whenever I think about telling the story. And I didn't have uh, a lot of artistic outlets that didn't have a dollar tape tool in some way, right? And so uh, music was always something I just did for fun. I mean, my first my first moments of self-expression came out of music when I was a kid. You know, I was like a choir kid um, uh, back when I went to church. Now, if I walked into a church, I'd probably spontaneously combust. But like back then... <laughs> <laughs> the holy water will start to boil and everything, you know. But um, old ladies crying, yeah, you know, old lady crying, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know how it is. But, but, um, yeah. But so, you know, it was always a part of my life. Um, but I never really did like any. You know, I had plans around it, that kind of deal. And so when I got out here um, to LA, you know, I just needed something to ground me in a way. You know, something that I didn't have to talk to my manager or my agent or my lawyer about, like. Mm -hmm. Just how could I just, you know, have a feeling and express that feeling in something? And so then I started getting back into music and, um, you know, doing it on the side. Like I, I've ghost produced things for uh, some artists that are out there. I can't really say what because of NDAs and all of that. But like, you know, you could you could hear some of the stuff I've done for sure, you know, um, you know, up on Spotify. And so uh, now um i'm yeah i'm getting kind of back into it i got a whole art fashion music comics thing i'm building uh right now and i'll probably launch it at some point over the next few months let's see but that's where a lot of this new stuff is going to go in so when you see me like posting photography to twitter and all that this is really me digging through my archives warming up for this new thing i'm doing and it'll make a lot more sense when i get it out there that sounds really cool dude <laughs> like your yeah, your stories are just cool by themselves uh, uh, thinking about you bringing in these other elements um i i like that, I, that that's kind of a new trend now is a, a lot of people will um build uh, uh soundtracks for comics that they put out so you like mm -hmm. listen to the soundtrack while you read it i really i like how people are trying to 
bring more into it. Like I love comics, but I also love when people take risks and experiment. I think it makes people better artists. I think it makes people better humans to branch out and escape your comfort zone sometimes. So to see that being brought into the comic medium is like, as a nerd makes me really excited. And as a comic reviewer makes me excited. Cause I mean, it's just, it's cool. It's a, it's a new, new times, new ways of doing things like, well, yeah. I mean, we know we're in this digital landscape, right. Where, where creation, distribution, getting things to your audience, all of it's easier. It's never been easier to do than it is right now, you know? And um, it used to be anytime you wanted to do something, you know, you had to kind of feed through like two big comic book companies or you had like, you know, some second tier companies you had to go through all of those. Well, now you, you don't really, I mean, you can, you know, I mean, there's, there's certain advantages for sure in publishing through one of those companies, you know, there's also some advantages in self-publishing too, you know? Um, and, uh, I'm really interested in exploring all the different ways, you know, um, that, that, that stories are, can find audiences and, and, you know, experiment, you know, um, I talk about on Twitter all the time. I, I don't think that we experiment enough anymore. I think, you know, we get so locked into, I do this thing and needs to get this result, mm -hmm. you know, and then our thinking uh, gets conservative. I don't mean like in a political way. I mean, in terms of just taking artistic risk, you know, we, we tend not to, I don't really know if that's going to work or if, you know, this character. Uh, so then you kind of really kind of rein it in, you know, if you're trying to get that result, you know, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I've always been a, 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 a fan of experimenting because I think that's how you grow as a person and a creator. You have to you know, kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit, try some things out. They may not work or they might work in a way you did not expect. Um, and then that will teach you things that you can carry into your other projects more strategically. Yeah. I mean, fail, failure is not like the great end all, you know, like it's, if you try something and you fail, you usually learn something. You usually, someone will notice something too. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I, I was in an MFA program and stuff and, and, oh, nice. and so like, I, you know, I was going to be like, you know, it was a creative writing deal and I went back and forth from like in Kansas city, we had, uh, you could either be like, you know, fiction or poetry. And I mm -hmm. kind of bounced back and forth between each side of the program. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, it took me a while to, uh, to like submit my work for publication and stuff just out of that, out of that fear, you know, but then like, you know, after the first rejection letter comes in, you, you, and then, you know, you learn like that's part of the game too, but you know, it's failure is not as scary as, as everybody makes it out to be. Once you get over that hump, it's so liberating, uh, to just like, to just try, you know, I mean, that's. That's how all this happened. Like Blake's buzz, the the blog and the interviews and stuff is just like I just like talking to people about storytelling. And then, well, yeah, like crazy. <laughs> you know, I don't really believe in in failure, right? I think that uh, you kind of only fail when you quit, right? So, like failure, that whether or not something is a failure is up to us, right? We determine if it's a failure it can just be an iterative step on the way to something else, you know? Now, something may not work the way you wanted it to. It doesn't mean that it, it failed as much as you're getting data, right? And then, it, and then the question is, what do you do with that data? Are you going to iterate? Are you going to take that and come back into it? You know, it's, it's almost like uh, creativity is scientific method, right? So, 
you know, you can say, okay, well, the rocket went up, it got to the mesosphere, but it didn't do what I wanted it to do. Okay. So yes, it failed to get up there, but it doesn't mean the whole effort is a failure because now you have all this data. Then mm. you take that data and you go back to your laboratory and you say, okay, why did it, what was it the polymers that we were using? Was it the, was it the, the explosion of energy at launch wasn't good enough? Did the, you know, what was it that, that did it? And then you tweaky, tweaky, tweak. Um, and then eventually you get a, get a rocket that is successful enough to get up into the orbit, but it's being carried by all of the other rockets that didn't make it, right? So like all of those failures were really just data collection to let you figure out what was going on, make your adjustments to eventually get to the results you want, right? So so failure, quote unquote, is just kind of like a, a, a period on the, on the continuum, you know, kind of towards what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, and that's how I've always contextualized it. So every, when I was broke and no one was reading my screenplays and I would send a screenplay out and the only feedback I would get is a no, um, I didn't interpret that as, oh, well, I failed to do a thing. I was I was like, well, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, and sometimes I would get a little bit of feedback and I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and deal that in. I, mean, I can work on that thing or I can figure that out or what did I learn through the process of writing the screenplay that I can carry into the next screenplay and all that, right? Like, and just kind of committing yourself to the journey, right? I think the problem with a lot of people when they have an ambition is they commit themselves to a result, mm. but they're not committing themselves to the journey, right? And the the result that you have in your mind when you start, that might not be the best resolution to the path that you're on, right? Like you might have started in the MFA program and that was kind of the thing you want to do, but now now it's leading you into broadcasting, right? And then maybe broadcasting is really where your, your hand in glove fit is, you know, but you got there like the way you got there. And it's not like you're putting away everything that you were, were thinking about when you were, you know, in, you know, thinking of the MFA thing, like, no, you weren't, you're not, you can still love stories. still talking stories, still talking to storytellers. Right. So it's still additive, you know? And I think a lot of times we focus a lot on the result and um, we devalue the journey itself. Uh, and that can be really, really awful for our self-esteem, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and it can be discouraging if, we we decide well we didn't you know I didn't make a million dollars so I didn't win you know, <laughs> you know and that's a hard way to live you know um so so yeah so uh, I don't know how we got on that but yeah, I guess we're talking about failure and success or whatever and I started pontificating but like yeah that's that's sort of where I am on that stuff no that that's what that's what the listeners like man we we start talking and then and then we you go you go places and and that's what I don't know I think it makes for better interviews like well, I think people people like authenticity you know like like you know when I try to, what I what I try to do on podcasts, uh, and really kind of any, any sort of like interview conversation thing is I just try to be as real as I can be, right? Because um I I I I get bored when I'm listening to someone and they're just trying to sell me whatever thing they're working on. Like I <laughs> don't care, you know, I, I'll get to it if I get to it. But I will likely buy a thing, watch a thing, read a thing, eat a thing, whatever it is, if I find the person interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, it, like there's a guy who's a musician, Russ, whose who's music I wasn't really a big fan of. Um, he's like kind of an independent rapper, but like, I guess he's sort of positivity, you know, kind of melodic stuff. It just didn't, it didn't seem like my kind of stuff, the the coming and going of it that mm. that I that I was exposed to it seemed like something for like you know high school girls or whatever like no offense <laughs> to high school girls like yo y'all gotta listen to your music too so you know, you know whatever you rock with is cool with me um, 
But then I would see dude on some interviews and just thought he was kind of an interesting cat, you know? And then I heard that he had like 11 albums he had put out himself oh, wow. b- before he had really broken through, you know, he had something where he had put out 11 albums of content, full on projects of content um, before he had any Twitter followers, had like a thousand Twitter followers after 11 albums, but he just kind of kept on going. Uh, and I was like, okay. And so then I went back and started listening to his music. I did find some, some tracks I like, you know, uh, like, uh, a lot, a lot of comic book, you know, writers out there whose work I wasn't really following, not because I thought it was bad, just because I just not a lot of time in the day. And so I didn't necessarily crack this open or that open or that open, but then I hear them on a, on a podcast and I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me go ahead and check that book out. You know, yeah. um, it seemed like a really interesting, interesting person. Um, so now I'm curious to know more about like what their, what their storytelling is like. So I think, you know, being, just being real and, and expressing how you feel about things, um, I think is always the best way to, you know, grow an audience, you know, uh, for anything. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it just, I mean, storytelling is so interesting because I, I find that like, especially talking to writers and artists is like, you know, if you, if you can tell a good story on the page, like you can also just like tell a good story about life and then you can, I mean, I've been learning a ton, like getting to talk to you guys is I, I made, I made the joke to a couple writers that I was like, you know, I, I was like, I don't care if, if anyone listens to this, like, this was awesome to me. And then I, I realized I was like, Oh shit, you probably shouldn't say that to your podcast guests. So like, Oh, no, but that's a really no dope one thing. <laughs> I think one of the, like the, one of the coolest things I think about being someone who interviews people is you get to talk to interesting people. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh you know like i've always thought about starting some kind of interview uh show really just to be able to talk to people i thought were really interesting you know yeah. that would be like that that would honestly be thing number one and then hoping that there was value in it for other people so they could get something out of it you know um i just think that's a really cool aspect to, to culture it's it's always funny to me man like you know when i was a kid i used to go to the library and i used to get the uh the shadow uh cassettes that were the old rko radio shows that oh, were wow. on like cassettes right and i used to listen to them you know orson wells stuff the shadow nose and all that <laughs> stuff right um, and I would think about, you know, people crowded around a beautifully carved radio, like listening to radio, right? And it, it felt like the Flintstones <laughs> in memory. Like, how would you possibly, you know? And then now we're in a time where technology has gone so far that people are crowding around radios again. Yeah, everything is cyclical, it's, man. It always it always insane. comes back it's to insane, something. Right? The, like, the, like the new thing is like narrative podcasts. Which is the same thing as the old shadow yep. broadcast back from the RKO <laughs> days, right? It's like we've come like to your point, we have gone full circle now, where you've got young people crowded around speakers listening to their Wolverine story or their <laughs> or their Batman tale, right? Like it's it's wild what what time does to things. Um uh, so I love the explosion of of people being able to create their own media, you know, and, and build their own audiences. Uh, I think that's I think it's fantastic. And I mean, in the last year and a half, it's we've gotten even more of it because everybody's been at home with nothing to do. <laughs> for sure. Right. <laughs> like it's been you know, it's been a journey inward, I think, for uh, a lot of us, um, you know, with this with this pandemic uh, and lockdowns and all of that. I mean, certainly for me, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm lucky I was able to 
do a lot of work uh, last year because I'm a writer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can work from home. I can take meetings via Zoom. I'm comfortable on camera, as it were, you know, like, so like I could pitch okay and do whatever. And so I was able to, to, to keep the, uh, keep the work going uh, last year, but you know, I, I certainly had time to think about what, what I was doing creatively, what was interesting to me, like, where did I want to go next? And, you know, research a few things. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see as the months go on, what work that we're going to get from people that may have started when they were in this period of like forced pause. Yeah. You know, you know, what kind of, what kind of work came out of that? Like is Tom King's human target sort of born out of that period? I don't know. I mean, I know Tom is a thoughtful dude, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I can't imagine that Tom sits in a room alone and then the mind doesn't start turning into something or another thing, you know? So I'm, I'm really interested in, in seeing uh, what the, what the work is like for people coming out of this, this period and wondering if it's going to be more introspective, if it's going to be, you know, more penetrative in certain ways. Um, if it's more transformative, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think we're, we're coming on a new age of, of storytelling and not just storytelling, like, uh, uh, music, um, like like we talked about, you know these these new narrative podcasts. Um, speaking of Tom King, like uh, Mitch, uh, he he's always talking about. Um, he listens to like these ghost story podcasts where people tell ghost stories. Um, and that oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Getting, that's getting real popular. Like finally, podcasts are surpassing the the true crime. You know, I feel every every time someone recommends a podcast, it's always true crime. I feel like we finally have other stuff to talk about in the podcast. Yeah, you world. know, like I was I was trying with the true crime for a while, Blake. Like I was, but it just started to get into my soul a little bit, right? <laughs> you know, like at first I was like, okay, I'll mess with sword and scale or something. You know, like like sometimes the host can be kind of a jerk, but like I, you know, I'll I'll listen to the podcast. But, and and when it was that one, and then I had the other one, and then I had the other one, and th- now I'm just listening to humanity destroy itself. And it, <laughs> and I was wondering, like, why am I kind of down today? I'm like, oh, I know, because I was cleaning up my home office listening to murders all day. <laughs> because I turned myself into Will Graham from, from <laughs> Hannibal. And that's why I'm gloomy today. Um, because some of those podcasts, they'll like play sound mm-hmm. from things and then it just gets too much. Right. So, uh, I, I moved away from true crime, uh, and went to supernatural. Like I can take a ghost story. That's cool. I can take, you know, spookier ones. That's fine. But I think I was, I was doing, um, not a great service to my, to my soul mm-hmm. by listening to people die. You yeah. know, from Wondery. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know, this isn't great for me. I, I might need to find a different podcast and watch some different YouTubes uh, yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. I, the same way with like i've i feel like we've been oversaturated with uh like end of the world uh stories like in comics oh, and stuff yeah, 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 and yeah. like I, you know going back to awa when we were you know as where chariot came from you know like uh the resistance i remember getting the first issue of straczynski's resistance man and that was like height of the pandemic everybody was terrified we didn't know what was going on and the whole thing's about this virus that like kills off a huge part of the world's population and and mike d's is illustrating it like terrifyingly perfect but like oh dude that book messed with me and i was just like you know and then then you read that and then you then you watch the news and then it's just like it's like oh shit like 
too much. Like, everything is everything is dying, and there's no hope. <laughs> so that's, yeah, you that's escape. why your boy has not played The Last of Us Two because <laughs> that joint dropped in the middle of the lockdown. I'm like, oh no, like yeah. are, you, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, there's no way I'm gonna get up, have a cup of coffee, watch the news, and then play the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> That's just an exponential version of what I'm going through right now. So I haven't touched uh, a minute of that thing. Like, I'm sure it's great. I mean, it looks well made. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone involved is at the top of their, their class in terms of what they do. All good. I will never play that game. <laughs> just, I, yeah, everybody. I just remember everybody talking about like crying and just getting like emotionally wrecked. And, and I love moving stuff, you know, like, sure, I, sure. I, but like, yeah, like, it, at a time where when like when hopeless is a little too real you know it's like yeah like yeah. you said you, we got to be careful with what we what we allow ourselves to experience like Mm-mm, like it was too much i was like i don't need to go through that yeah. like i you know I, I don't i'm i'm already a little afraid every day because there's like an invisible killer floating around in the <laughs> air right and it's just me and my Oakley mask keeping me alive at this point, right? So, like, I love that you always take pictures of yourself in a mask. A, because you have a big following, and it's a good message to put out there. You know, like for sure, for wear, sure. Wear the damn mask. But you always look so cool, dude. Like your your glasses, and you 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 always have like the cooler masks. And I don't know, man. Like I know you're into cyberpunk and stuff. And I, every well, now and then, I mean, man, you just this you're like the cyberpunk master. So I so I've done some uh, writing work in asia uh i did a a muay thai uh animated feature and i was in uh, thailand for a few months working on that and then i did a draft of a volcano action movie in beijing um like a couple years ago and i was over there and everyone was wearing masks because it was just kind of part of the culture you know Mm -hmm. and so i uh, uh i would start masking up and got used to it so then when when this thing started to happen okay so like backing up i knew that what was happening in Wuhan was going to be happening in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. right? Because when people heard Wuhan, I think they thought it was like some remote place where Bruce Wayne learned how to fight. (laughs) And it's like, no, no, no. Wuhan is like Chicago. Yeah, it's a, it's big. It's like a city. Like it's like a dead up business city. It's not like you know the 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 remote mountains of Kadim where <laughs> you know no no no. This is a city that that planes are flying in and out of every day. And when you live in a in a city like L.A. where you're just you know a hub where international flyers are either landing and coming into the city or landing and going to other places, you know it's just what happens around the world happens here, right? It's like a New York thing. Like what happens in the world is going to happen in New York, any sort of, you know, epidemic pandemic kind of situation. If you're living in one of these hub cities, you just, you know, what's there is here. Right. And so, uh, I started getting prepared um, as soon as I started to see the precautions being taken overseas. I was like, oh, this is going to be a real thing. So uh, I was I figured that masks would be difficult to find Mm. because we don't really have a culture around wearing. Right. So businesses aren't stocking a bunch of them. They don't have tons of PPE, you Mm -hmm. know, because that's just not something that we were really doing. Um, so I just started kind of buying some, buying a few things for the household 
because I figured out, okay, I need this, need that. And then, and then I would be like, well, this one looks cool. So I'll do that. And, you know, cause I didn't know how long we were going to be going to be rocking with it. No. Uh, uh, and I figured if I have to wear something on my face for a long time, you know, I might as well look cool. At least as cool <laughs> as I can make it look, you know, like try to coordinate it a little bit. So it has like a little swag. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And then and, and most of it is just really me just wanting to demonstrate, you know, safety with yeah. my platform so that people can see it and and be like oh you know what i'll wear my mask too or brian's wearing a mask and that's cool that reminds me i should put my mask on you know it's just 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 to be part of the solution not part of the problem yeah that's awesome by the way like more especially like today uh, oddly enough like uh this uh, a, a really big i'm i'm big into uh store exclusive variants because i mm. love spending twenty dollars on a single issue of a fucking comic book because i'm insane <laughs> 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 I was gonna say, if you uh, like spending that money, yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. It they trick me. I like see this pretty picture, and I'm like, oh, I need that. Um, but uh, the one of the people I buy from that I've I've given a whole lot of money. They uh, backed out of a big convention because they they and they stated this like they could have just not gone, but in, they made this whole big post on Facebook and and then screenshotted it and shared it on Twitter so you could get the extra words and the whole message in, and they wanted everybody to know that like they didn't agree with this uh, having to show uh, proof of vaccination for the con, and they were like we're not going and da, 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 and they just really politicized it, and I was like I was like man I can't believe I gave you guys a lot of money like that just it's just yeah, crazy. I mean, I, you know, I try to be patient with people, right? And but that and, only goes. Uh, you can only be so patient. No, right? it's facts. You can only be so patient, right? Um, and you know, we're just we're in such a polarized place. And you see me on social media, where like I have my opinions. You know, I'm left of center. I'm a progressive. I'm a snowflake, you know, the <laughs> NPC as it were. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I try to, to, to take the heat down mm. a little bit, you know, and, and, uh, and show that you can talk about things and disagree with people without immediately pushing them off of a cliff. Yeah. You know, like we, we can't really be in there um, uh, for forever. Like it's just, a, it's not sustainable as a society for us to, have a scorched earth policy about everything we believe, <laughs> right? Like that's just not really how functioning societies work, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, that's crazy though. Uh, um, you know, I look, I just want people to be healthy, you know, um, you know, knock on wood, I have not lost anybody uh, close to me to this, uh, this, this virus, but I know people that have, you know, and it is a real thing. It is not the flu, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's, it's an awful, awful thing to go through. And so I just don't want to, don't want anyone to have to go through any of that, you know, and, and um, I just hope that, you know, people can just settle down a little bit, step away from the rhetoric, maybe step away from Facebook for a bit yeah. <laughs> and just, just think about those. You're talking about a pretty small, small steps that can keep you safe and, and keep your family safe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got my shots late, but I mean, I was just like, I finally got it because I work from home. So like, I haven't been really going anywhere. So, you know, I wasn't super For sure. worried about it, but I was at the grocery store and they were doing walk-ins and I was like, all right, like shoot me up. I'm ready. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I was, I, I was trying I get to radio get radio signals now this is a weird thing. But like, the radio signals. <laughs> yeah. And then the head. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So same with me. I, I get the George Soros broadcast. <laughs> Something in the head. No, like I was, um, 
I was trying to get a vaccine, like actively looking for it as soon as people were getting them because I live in a city with like a gajillion people. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just hard to have space out here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and you know, just just being in a, in a situation where you know you're going to be around a lot of people all the time. And I live in a building, you know, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in my building and all that. Um it was kind of a priority. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, like, um, you know, I just, I, I don't want to tell people how to live, but uh, I do want people to live. <laughs> yes. So and that's, that, a, you know? that's the quote of the fucking century, sir, right there. I don't want to tell you to live. I just want you to live. Like that needs to be, <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. That needs to be on t-shirts and bumper stickers. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. I tell you how to live. Just want you to live, you know, like that's really it. Like, you know, <laughs> Vote for who you want to vote for. I just don't want you to die. <laughs> yeah, it's so you you were you're from St. Louis, right? Yes, you're, sir. You were um, a Midwest guy. Well, I was born in Chicago, but I don't remember it because I moved oh. to St. Louis when I was like one years old or something. Um, okay. so I I grew up in Missouri. Yeah, okay. I um St. Louis uh, until about eighteen. Uh, then I went to uh, New York for for college, and you know went back and forth between that St. Louis, and then it came out to LA. Okay. So yeah, you know, you, you know what it's like then. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's way different. Like, I mean, we're not like, you know, there, there's people here, but there's not like, oh, people like, space. like you see. Yeah. Yeah. We have. Space. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when, when I, when I go home to visit family, I'm one, I'm always struck by how clean the air is oh, because yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like you live in LA, you don't, you get used to it. You don't really think about it, you know? And then when I go to like the Midwest, you're like, Whoa, <laughs> the air is a lot cleaner out wow. here. Like when you go, is, when you go back home, does it mess with you? It like does. After, oh wow, man, that's crazy. Because it's just so like wow. You, you know, you get used. To, I mean, we're all lobsters in a pot. We get used to anything, you know. And so, you know, you, I, I forget what the first week of LA must have been like for me because I've been out here for over ten years, right? So you just kind of get used to it. Um, but when I go back there, like I notice like the, the cleanliness of the air, and then yeah, like the space, like. To be able to walk through like a neighborhood and just not see anybody for yeah. a while, you know, like I'm just so, I'm so used to people just being around all of the time that everything has a line. Like you have to get into a queue to do anything out here, you know. Like <laughs> you just, it, it's all the little inconveniences and like you know, any, like the, the driving thing, the traffic thing is crazy, right? You just get used to bumper to bumper. Yeah. It's going to take you an hour to get from here to there. Uh, then you get to a city where they think they have bad traffic, and you're like, this isn't traffic. like you don't even know like like you think it's traffic because you have to go 37 miles an hour (laughs) you know you don't get what traffic is like traffic is you're just not moving you are on (laughs) a freeway anywhere (laughs) and you're not going anywhere you're just stuck in a a car (laughs) you know like like that's traffic so uh yeah yeah but um i and i, I make it down the loo uh you know um, as often as i can haven't been back in a bit because of the pandemic stuff yeah. but you know i should be back soon shout out star clipper comics down there in st louis uh shout out wizard's wagon down there in st louis my my dude fleet works over there so if fleet's listening shout out to fleet um but yeah, I, I, I try to make it down there when I can, for sure. You, you know, you, you you talked earlier about how you try not to label yourself as a writer, but you you're like you did like the writing thing that that I always heard about anyway, because like that was the I, I, it was that was like the standard procedure that like I saw like meeting writers in the MFA that would come and visit, or when we had like the the guest lectures and stuff that 
that came in is everybody was like, yeah, you know, like I lived here and then you, and then you, you move to New York or you move to the coast or you go to LA and then, and then like things happen. And then like, (laughs) I had friends Mm -hmm. that try and do that and they were like, yeah, so it's not guaranteed that it happens. You don't just like, (laughs) you don't just like write a good story and someone pats you on the back and you move to LA and then like, oh, you're like, oh shit. (laughs) So like, no, I mean, for sure it happened, man. Like, and you're, you're, you make stuff happen. Like, I don't know. You you have a really impressive you know career. The more I the more I learn about you, like the you're just like I said, you're an interesting guy as as a as a writer myself. Like reading your stuff, like I love it. Um, you know, I'm I'm super. My life is like indie comics these days. Mm-hmm. But like okay. I read I read uh, Detective Comics and Batman and the Outsiders last week. Oh, right on, dude! You made me miss Gotham. Like I, I read oh, that and oh, I was cool. like, I was like, man, I, I was like, that. man, I miss like, I miss this world, you know, like I just, I, I was like, I haven't been to Gotham and dealt with the Bat family in a while. And I thought that was a really smart um, saga that you did. Um, you know, you, the, the, the six issues you did with detective and then it was what, like eight, 17 or 18 issues. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of Outsiders. And like to have Batman and Raj in there and still like make the focus on the new the the kids and the team and and Cass and and everybody and and like have Batman on the page but have your readers be like okay Bruce like go like let's I like right, right. I thought that was so cool man like to to pan the focus on the lesser Gotham characters and like dude what you did with Katana and Black Lightning uh oh, I wanted yeah. to I wanted to ask you about that too because like the whole For time sure. I'm like I wanted them to get together and you, were, you <laughs> did this like will they won't they but yeah. you had this like really great restraint and it made sense you know because like both of them have like baggage for days especially katana whose husband is in her sword in the sword (laughs) but i mean yeah i was like and then they they go off together like in the end too and so it's kind of like left up in the air but sure i mean did you have like bigger plans i i I know like big two stuff like changes on a whim and like sometimes you have like these well, first, ideas. thank you uh, for your kind words. I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it, so to make this clear, there was never any sort of DC rule master that came in and said, Brian, you can't do this and you can't do that. That never happened, okay. right? Um, so I never had, it was never a matter of like DC editorial censoring something I wanted to do. Um, uh, it was more just kind of living in the moment with these characters, you know, and, and even when I was outlining, I didn't really know. I mean, I just felt like one, I felt like Katana has normally in comics, not really been a human being. Yeah. Right. Like she's just a weapon. She's like the, the, the Japanese lady with the sword. Right. And I'm like, I mean, it's like, you know, it's time that we start treating her like a person who has all of the colors in her rainbow that people have. You know, and so that was that was a big thing for me was uh, writing her similar to how I would write her if I was writing a screenplay. You know, if I was writing a character, an actor was going to play. Right. They can't just play Bushido all the time. (laughs) Like that's not that's not a character. Right. So so I was thinking that and then I was thinking, you know, thinking about Jeff and and uh, and just kind of looking at Dexter's art when they were in proximity to each other. Uh, And I'm like, oh, there's like there's visually there's chemistry between them. Mm -hmm. And then I was just thinking casting because sometimes that's how my head works. 
Okay. And so I'm like, all right, if this was like, you know, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan and and someone else, you know, like there would be like a thing there. Yeah. Kind of somewhere, you know. Um, and I thought it would be an interesting thing to explore, you know, the the uh uh a, an attraction between two people that neither person wants to follow really, but they're also adults. So they don't try to pretend it's not there, mm -hmm. you know, that, that just felt like a dimensional mature relationship in a superhero book that I didn't, I haven't seen a lot of, you know, and uh, everything that you, everything that's there isn't a setup for a payoff. Sometimes it's just there to play with dramatically. And maybe another writer, you know, wants to come in and do something with that. Maybe somebody doesn't want to do something with that. That's cool. But for the purposes of that story, I felt like it was a useful energy to have, you know, the same way that like Cassandra and Duke were like brother and sister, mm -hmm. you know, so you get that, you really get that brother sister feeling from them, you know, kind of in that, in that book. Um, and thinking, you know, thinking through the, these things you know, that way. Um, uh, and I, I enjoyed it, you know, it, it just felt natural. I mean, look, if I'm Jefferson and I see Katana, like, certainly I'd be like, okay, that's not, that's not a difficult person to look at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just real talk. Like that's not a difficult person to have in a room. Yeah, one, you know? exactly. Um, uh, and so, yeah, just, you know, just kind of, it just kind of came, came out of that. Um, I tried to think about comic book characters like people, like real people with, with dimension, you know, I didn't even want to say flaws because I don't think there's any flaw in finding someone attractive. And for various reasons, there's no, you can't really go down that road. I mean, that's life, right? Mm -hmm. Like it happens to all of us all the time, right? For various reasons. Um, but I, I think that audiences, readers are sophisticated enough to accept, you know, the messiness of, of human reality in these characters. Um, uh, you know, I think as long as it comes with the experiential stuff that they paid the cover price for, you know, they want to get the cool art, we get that, you get the fights, we get that, we get some cool Batman stuff, you know, I got you there. So, <laughs> you know, like try to balance everything out. You know, I think too many times in books, it feels like we have an either or situation Yeah, where you have uh, a book that is deconstructing everything at the same time and then you're a little put off by it because you just kind of wanted a, a Wolverine story you know I'm not Ben Purse's Wolverine is fantastic so I'm not throwing shots at him <laughs> Ben's one of my favorite writers I admire I love the guy so you know, that was just a hypothetical not his book but like meaning you just wanted like a superhero story yeah. because you just wanted something to read in the train or read in your lunch hour or you know, whatever it is, you know, however you like let the steam out. Right. Um, and then when you get something that's super deconstructed where none of it is satisfying on that level and done that done that way intentionally, I think it, it can leave a nasty taste in someone's mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if the storytelling is good and interesting and layered, it's just I you know, I see a tool poster in the background. <laughs> it's like I came to see tool. But if Maynard starts, you know, with like Pussifer or something. Like I could rock with Pussifer, but that's not why I came. I came yeah. for tool tonight, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I'd like to hear some tool, you know? Um, and so I think sometimes you get that or you get books that are so traditionalist that they, they sort of feel like an algorithm could have written them based on other comic books that have gone before, you know, that, that it's like, okay, this is the, this is a, a bog standard superhero tale. Right. And sometimes I'm in, in, in the mood for that, but um, I think, you know, there's a hybridity of it. Like you, you can explore things in new ways without completely turning over the apple cart of the experience you know yeah. like 
Um, and that's what I try to do with my superhero work is add, add some, some of me in there, you know, put some dimension in there, add the things that I think that like I can bring uniquely to something, you know, um, not, not like I'm better than anybody else. I'm not saying that at all. I just mean that we're all, all of us have something unique we can bring mm -hmm. to our work. Right. So I try to, to think about like, what can I uniquely bring to this, you know, experientially that maybe hasn't been in there before just to give readers a reason to check it out. Um, but I also try to preserve what I think is the core cultural intent of this stuff. So we got to have bad guys and good guys and cool fight scenes and people getting thrown off of overpasses and landing in semis and exploding. Like we need all that stuff, <laughs> um, you know, so I can get my little like tea time conversations with Jefferson and Tatsu <laughs> wrought with sexual tension. You know what I mean? I mean, like you could cut that with a butter knife, that tension. I loved it. That that was one of the best parts of your run, honestly, like the how human everybody like you you forget Batman is is a man, you know. Sometimes, totally. um, and and you man, you had a real cool take with him too when he talks about uh how he's he's two he's like two people. He's the mm -hmm. he's the broken boy uh, that hasn't healed from his parents dying, and he's the vengeful uh, vigilante who tries tries to hide that essentially and mask mm -hmm. it with this crazy lifestyle. Um, I thought that was real smart. Um, but yeah, like the way you write characters and women, women, especially like you are a very impressive writer when it comes to women. Uh, oh, you you, you remind me of, of Greg Rucka in, in that sense. Like he writes with That's Lazarus and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, for real, man, like you, you both write these like intensely powerful women that you're a little bit scared of that you're heavily attracted to. Like, and well, you know, Greg was a big influence thing. on me. Really? Up, That's man. cool. Yeah, man. yeah. Like I was, I was a big queen and country dude. Like, okay. um, I was, I was rocking with this work. You know, I, I, I read Atticus Kodiak novels and I was, you know, reading all the queen and country, uh, collected when they would come out in the collected editions, I'd read those. And then I read the novel gentleman's game, um, read that. Uh, and then in addition, also a superhero stuff, Wonder Woman and all that, like I've, been a been a big greg rucka a fan for a long time um and and then like you know before that like james cameron is a big influence on me you know um uh uh and it's not it's not an agenda thing uh as much as just you know i i most of the characters i write are based on people i know in some okay. way or based on combinations of people i know right and so maybe if if you're reading a little extra metal and dimension in there it's because they're usually like this this gestalt collage of of people I've known, you know, like like Cassandra uh, is based in part on um, uh, a girl that I used to train with when I was training uh, in Taekwondo um, many, many, many years ago, who just had this real cool intensity about her when she was fighting. But she was also super gentle and playful outside of the, <laughs> of the thing, you know, and she had this like interesting kind of balance, you know, um, and of course I had a crush on her because I was, you know, I was her <laughs> age and I was powerless. It's not my fault. Um, I am not ashamed. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, so like, I think, I think that's what it is, man. I think it's because um, I, I, I do kind of think about women I've known and port them into the work that I do. And then I just try to think about, you know, these characters like they're people, you know, because I also write screenplays and television scripts. One of the things I think about a lot is making sure no one has a bad day at work. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, even if you only have one line, you still got to wake up at four o'clock. You still got to get in the hair and makeup. You still got to get in the wardrobe. You still got to go to set and you still got to be there for eight hours before you go home, even if you only have one line. Right. <laughs> 
So I try to make sure that uh, if a character only has one thing to do, that thing is interesting to do with a scene because at least there's something they can prepare as a person. At least they can think about different ways to do that line. At least they can have something to work with creatively or the director can also look at that and be like, okay, you know, we only have one beat for this character, but maybe we play it by the couch. Maybe we play it in the kitchen. You know, maybe we do like, let's do it. That way at least everyone has something to do. And so I guess that spills over into the way I write comics where I try to make sure that everyone's interesting, you know, in, in some way. And um, we're looking at a group book like Outsiders. You really have to think about what each character is bringing that is distinctive, right? Because you don't want two characters to have the same energy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need two reds in your rainbow, right? <laughs> you just need one, right? So, you know, thinking about like how each of them has a different vibe. They come from a different place, a little bit of a different flavor. That way, the pairing off of these characters, it stays interesting because, ooh, a Lady Shiva Cassandra Kane scene is very different than a Lady Shiva Jefferson scene, right? That's gonna, those are gonna feel really different. And then I'm like, well, I'm just gonna have Duke be real about it. He just thinks she's hot. <laughs> I love that. When he's like, <laughs> he's like, Cass, everyone thinks your mom's hot. That was you know a, such I mean? a good like, line. <laughs> he, he never really fought her before. So like, he's heard some things and Cassandra says some things. But, you know, that that's just straight up, like when you're going to your friend's house and you're like in high school and their mom is really hot, <laughs> you know, and, and you're just like, okay, did not expect this. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, because um, I was a scholarship kid to a private high school. I was broke growing up, but I was a scholarship kid in this high school where a lot of those families had a lot of money. And so, you know, parents had like personal trainers, man. People were looking good <laughs> in their in their 30s and 40s and all that. And I remember I used to go to some people's houses. And I was like, yo, are you serious? Right. <laughs> and my friend would be like, do not look at my mom. I was like, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> but Pilates, like, you know, um, and I just thought that was just like a nice real human thing for Duke to be about. Right. Like, you know, she, because because no one ever really talks about that. Yeah. Right. Like because Lady Shiva is just like the coolest and she's got the cool things to say and the hair is all perfect with the trench coat and the eyebrows and the rest of it. Um, and, you know, so having him come from that place. But then having, you know, having her and Bruce have this other relationship where they're constantly playing chess against each other. You know, it's it's there's no trust there, really. You know, it's not even to the point where there's real animosity there. It's just like, you know, she knows what he is. Mm-hmm. He knows what she is. There's a place they get to where they have to fight and they just try not to get there. <laughs> right? That's kind of like where they're at. But but yeah, like thinking about those different things in, in, a, in a book is good because, you know, for people are listening that are writers, you, you want to make sure that your characters each have like a different tonality that they bring to it so that um, the melody of your story is there. You know, if everyone has the same tone, then it's a little redundant, the amount of characters. Um, so you just want to make sure that variety helps keep your stories alive and interesting. Is that harder to do with a team book than say like, you know, looking at, at, at like, you know, Chariot or uh, mm. Romulus, where the cast is a lot smaller, um, is, uh, or Af- Aphrodite, um, you know, where there's only, you know, you know, there's just a few people and a bunch of robots and, and 
but I mean, yeah, you had a, you had a quite the cast. And then also you have like the big two, the, the mythos of the big two breathing down your neck, you know? So, I, I mean, is that like intense? Is it- I'm such a Batman fan that I, I had a lot, those characters were characters that were living in my head anyway, okay. you know, like, because you know, I mean, I, I've been into Cassandra Kane ever since the Damien Scott, you know, uh, uh, run way back in the day. Right. So like, that's been, um, a character I've wanted to work on for a long time. And, you know, I love Scott's work. And so I was very familiar with Duke. And then, you know, I mean, you can see how much I'm into, you know, like, you know, uh, aspects of, of warrior culture and that kind of thing, just for like my background, right? And, you know, <laughs> studying Shinkendo and the rest of it. So like, you know, Katana was was also there. So like, that's easier. No, what, what What's tricky is if you, you get a bunch of characters you are not familiar with. Okay. Because then you have to really become a quick study. You know, um, I've turned down books that people have offered me because I just didn't have a perspective on those characters, you know? And and they've been out there long enough that if I thought I really wanted to know what they were about, I would. And I just wasn't interested for one reason or another. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I, I have to feel like I have a perspective on it in order to get excited about doing it. It. luckily i'm in a position where i don't have to write comics to pay rent or anything so you can you can pick and choose yeah to a point i mean you know i mean i can't dictate like this is what i'm gonna do here marvel like it doesn't really work like that but like <laughs> let me tell you something there pal like no i'm not don't worry about that but but if something comes my way and i don't think it's a great fit for me i can turn it down um without worrying that i'm making a irresponsible fiscal choice i gotcha you know or i mean what'll happen usually is i'll i'll thank someone for their interest and then refer them to a writer that i do know has a perspective on the characters oh, that cool. i think would be a better fit you know like um, i'll do that in screenwriting too like someone will have an idea and say hey do you have a pitch on this and i'm like you know what i don't but such and such friend of mine you know they're really good at that let me go ahead and link you guys up and, and then you know y'all can talk about it so uh, I try not to do something if I don't if I don't, if I don't resonate with it in some way. I try not to do it mm. um, in general, just across the board with everything that I do. If I if I'm if I'm not into it, uh, no matter what kind of check is attached to it, I probably won't do it um, because life is life is short and fragile. Yeah. And, and well, and no one no one wants a creative that's phoning it in. I've never read anything by you that that felt phoned in, even. Even Fallen Angels. Oh yeah, for I sure. Know, I know a lot of people were very vocal. Oh, about they got that. mad about that. Yeah, man, they got mad. <laughs> they got mad at me about that, boy. Because hey, I was that was one of my. Um, I've been really this X Men relaunch. Like I hopped on because I was sure. I love the X Men. I grew up with them. Like back when you could buy comics at like a Seven Eleven. Uh, you know, I was buying X Men comics at the gas station and at Price Chopper and stuff, the grocery yeah, yeah, store. Yeah. And, and so like, but it's, there's been so much of it, you know, it, it gets, it gets convoluted over the years. And so like this big relaunch, like led by Hickman, like, man, I hopped on that and I, I was like biting at it, you know, and getting all the books and, and yours was one of the most, uh, when I found out you were doing fallen angels and it was going to have, it was going to have Psylocke and, and this sure, like sure. interesting team, like I was really into it. Um, and then, but yeah, that man, that whole book, I don't understand. I still don't really understand the the anger over it like a lot of people complained about the art and and i thought i thought his art was really good like that one that one full page spread of her with the butterfly wings like i'll never forget that like seeing that was so beautiful and like well i i think i think the i think the thing with fallen angels was 
I was coming at it from a different place than I think a lot of the the ex readers wanted me to come at it. Mm. You know, um, that's a matter of me thinking like, ooh, when I think of the X Men stories, I really like. You know, I think about kind of like the teeth gritting X-Men stuff of like the 90s that spoke to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the X audiences had moved on from that and they wanted sort of more of the, the, I don't want to say soap opera in a reductive way, but I just think that like the kind of tone that I had, you know, and, and that tone being backed up by, by Simon's art, it just, that wasn't the frequency that people really wanted to be on with that book, you know? Mm. Um, I think they wanted something that felt more included into sort of like the 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 dramas of the island and yeah. and all of that. And I totally understand that, right? Because I was a guy that you know I hadn't been following every X book over the past ten years. You know, I would dip in like a friend of mine would write a thing, and I would read that and get back out and the rest of it. Um, and I think that was like, you know, it was to put it in musical terms, that just wasn't the sound that these kids wanted to rock with, you know, <laughs> like I, I was on, I was on some like New York boom bap and, and these kids, they wanted, they wanted some, like some auto tune. They wanted some, some, you know, you know what I mean? They wanted like some trippy red or something, you know? And they were like, what's all these, what's all these lyrics? <laughs> I'm, to, I'm not trying to hear all these lyrical stuff. I was too lyrical miracle, you know? And, <laughs> and they, they didn't want that. They just wanted like, they want like a head bobbing flow. And I think that was the problem um, uh, with, with, with that and it, it finding, uh, you know, kind of the, the large audience of the thing. And then I also underestimated how many people had feelings about Psylocke and, you know, her versus Captain Britain and, yeah. you know, and all of that right there. Like I didn't anticipate any of that. But I tell you what, though, like, yeah, you know, I got a lot of people, they were roasting your boy, you know, they were upset, you know, message boards, you know, <laughs> there's some message boards, I can't even go in those neighborhoods, you know? <laughs> Go right now. <laughs> I gotta have security going on some of the best boards, you know what I mean? So there was that. But but I still got people that that responded to it and really dug it. Um and it spoke to them, you know, in some in some ways. And and I appreciated that. And and I told Marvel when I was doing it that I wanted to write something that was somewhat inoculated from all the other stuff. Mm. So that if it if it irritated some people because of this thing or that thing. I'm not really messing with the rest of what you're doing. You know, I'm it's, it's all I really wanted to do with that whole thing was take Quanon who didn't really have a lily pad to stand on, you know, in the build, right? Like the music had stopped and she didn't really have a chair. And uh, I thought she was cool and didn't want her to get cast aside, Mm. you know, uh, uh, and just used as like a glove that somebody else was wearing for a while. Right. It's and and um and part of it's because I know that a lot of you know Asian American and Asian readers, you know, they gravitate to her because she is of their culture. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought she deserved to be more than a suit somebody else was wearing for a while. Um and uh, uh, I just wanted to kind of carry her into a place where if someone was interested in it, there could be more stories for her. And I'm really, really excited about the stuff that Zeb Wells has done since. Yeah. Because Zeb, see, I think Zeb is, has got 
both of the things, right? Like, like he's, he's able to, to, you know, do some of the teeth grindy stuff that I like to do, but I think he's also able to keep it effervescent in a way that modern X-Men readers are really gravitating to, you know, like, I think he's, he's a better writer for that universe than I am right now. Mm. You know, and, and those are some of the things you like, you learn as, as, as an artist, you know, you're, you, you sort of learn like, oh, okay, I see like what it is. And, and where I, where I live isn't quite where you guys want to be right now. Um, and so that's cool. That's not your bad. It's my bad, you know? Uh, and yeah, you just kind of figure those things out and you know a little bit about how your instrument works and, and what you're into. But um, all that being said, my my memories of all of that are still just like the DMs that I got from people that were affected by it, that, that it did respond to. And I kind of write comics for people going through things yeah you know like not not exclusively but you know i i found comics when i was having a lot of difficulties um and i do kind of keep that in mind when i'm writing them so you know i i do tend to write things that i think hopefully speak to people that are carrying their own weight one way or another maybe um, that's why i really dig your stuff because i'm fucked up you know i think we all we all got issues you know what i mean we all got <laughs> no we, i'm not i mean i, I say that lightly but it, it's funny you mentioned that because I used I was a bouncer for seven years. And, oh, word. Um, so you I, saw like the worst in humanity. Yeah. Well, and I, I was I was being it some nights too, you know? Like <laughs> that's like being yeah. a CO, man. Like, a, <laughs> like that's like one degree removed from like working a prison. <laughs> I dealt with a lot of college kids. I, I took a lot of fake IDs. Um, I'm, and, I'm, and, uh, I imagine you did. Just like a lot, I, a lot of I drank, rubbing. Like, lot of, yeah. lot of, come yeah. on, like, come on, come on, McLovin. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely sold some back to people for some extra money. Hey, um, Lord, that's a trap. <laughs> the, the fake ID trap. <laughs> I was good at it too, man. Like other bars would, uh, cause I, we nerded out about it, you know, like some nights you didn't have anything to do. And so, you know, we learned how to tell these fake IDs and, uh, yeah. other bars would send like their door guys, like to our bar and, and I'd like teach them some stuff. Oh and, yeah. Cause you can't, you can't have a bar full of minors. Like you just yeah, can't. Like, you shut... big, every, everybody gets in trouble, man. Yeah, like, shut the it's... whole spot down. Like you can't have that, you know? But yeah, I was, I was drinking a lot and I was doing, and, uh, you know, I was doing some other stuff that is gets passed around in, in the service industry a lot. Oh, and sure. I was I was spending really dumb money uh, being stupid six nights a week. And I I've comics helped me calm down because I I was enjoying comics. I was always into comics, mm -hmm. but I had I had to like. I had that like come to Jesus moment where you're like, well, uh, you can't do this. Uh, well, Hey, you can't do this and get away with it forever. Cause like, I mean, right. I, I wrecked a car. Like it, it, Ooh, it, yeah, I, you, I were got, getting, you were getting yeah. close to getting the, the ugly wake up call. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, Cause after you wrecked the car, the next one, you don't want the next one. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> I got, I got very, I got very lucky. Yeah. With that yeah for sure. For too. sure. And anyway, so I, I kind of like calmed down and I started putting my money into nerdy endeavors mm -hmm. instead of, you know, like in toxic things in my body. And so, yeah, comics kind of got me out of a weird funk um, and, and a weird, just a weird part of my life. But I mean, I mean, I do connect with, well, I mean, they say great characters have faults, yeah. anyway, but I mean, and none of, none of your characters are perfect. And I do think, especially like looking at, at some of the other women you've written sure, and, sure. and, and how you, you're like your, your she warrior like mentality. And I mm -hmm. can see like, 
seeing that like in Psylocke? Well, you know, my, my dad died when I was a kid, right? So like oh, I really? was raised by my mom. Okay. And I think that rubbed off on me in my subconscious, right? Yeah, because, okay. Because when you're when you when you're watching your mother have to fight all these battles to raise you. I think that gets into you a little bit, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then, you know, then it gets buttressed by a Sarah Connor here or Ellen Ripley over there, <laughs> or, you know, you know, all of this and, and, and those kind of things. And um, I'm, I'm most drawn to people that, that are challenging in some way. Right. Like yeah. I, I, that people that, that, uh, uh, have a different perspective, but equally prepared and well-read about it that are driven, you know, I, I, I've, I've been a person who was driven for a long time. Um, not necessarily knew where I was going, but I knew I wanted to create things. I knew I wanted a, you know, a life where I got to create things and all of that. So I was driven for uh, um, a very long time. Um, I still am, but I mean, in that sense of you're like, just not going to stay down no matter how many times they hit you. Like yeah. that was where I was living for a while. And so generally the people in my life are equally driven, right? I have a hard time connecting with people that don't have drive, mm. right? Like, like it's just because I, because I'm just so different, you know, the energy is so different, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that gets ported over into these characters. And um, I, I always like say that like a lot of people that read my work you know we we all kind of have scars you know and um with a, with a lot of the choices I make, I'm trying to speak to some things. You know, if you look at like what Sophia is going through in Outsiders or what Duke mm-hmm. is dealing with, with his PTSD, you know, um, uh, you know, what Jefferson is wrestling with, right? Like, you know, the, I try to port in ideas so that people can think about them and figure out how they feel about them. And the same thing with Fallen Angels, thinking about identity, you know, yeah. thinking about uh, owning yourself, right? So, in a lot of ways, Fallen Angels is an allegory to surviving trauma, you know? And so I thought about it in those terms. Um, and I, you know, I have a bird's eye view and all of that, like a macro view and all of that, because I'm no expert in, you know, trauma therapy or something. But I do know that people are out there going through things. Mm-hmm. People have done things they're not proud of. People have been things they're not proud of. Um, people have felt like they're ostracized you know, uh, for reasons that might be just and reasons that are unjust. Um, and, and they have to figure out how to, to cope, compensate with all that. And so that's really what I wanted to put Quan and, you know, Psylocke on was that, that path, you know, and, and through that story to be able to say things about that, that hopefully would resonate with people that were wrestling with some of the same things. And I realized that those are not universal things, you know, You know, Clarence, who has a nice house in the suburbs and just wants to read his ex book and, you know, the mutants go out for a milkshake, you know, like that, you know, you could care about any of my nonsense. Fucking Clarence, man. Yeah, you know, Clarence, (laughs) Clarence had very nice parents, you know, uh, like, like, like he doesn't care about like whatever weird Brian Hill thing I'm on. You know, I totally get that. He don't want to hear my 50 cent record. Like he's not really about that right now. So I, I totally get that. But the, the beautiful thing about comics is things have like a long tail, a long life. And, and mm-hmm. um, because I try to do everything authentically, I feel like the work hits, the work reaches the people that I would like it to reach, you know, and, um, uh, and I just got grateful to be in a position where, like, honestly, if you're in a position where you create something and people get mad at you, you're doing okay. Yeah. You know, there's right? Because the, there's a dialogue. People are there's a dialogue. It means you're not yeah. creating something in a vacuum, right? Yeah. So, like, 
Um, and and to be real, like uh, credit to the to the ex fan reader community, what have you. I didn't get a lot of incoming fire. I mean, I would get blown up other places, but they didn't come at me about it for the oh, most okay. part, right? Like so so like wherever they were killing me <laughs> in the in the streets of the internet, right? Wherever I was getting shot up, like they weren't they weren't coming to my Twitter feed with it, you know. Uh, uh, well, and good. so and I, and I appreciated that, like. You know, like I wasn't getting added in a bunch of like, you know, Brian Hill, you know, go kill yourself. Like I didn't get a lot of that, you know, um, uh, I would just kind of hear things coming and going from from folks and 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 occasionally somebody would chime in, you know, um, and I would like click on a thing and be like, oh, ooh, ooh, it looks like I can't go to the south side. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> like, yeah, man, it's all it's all good. Like you can't wear purple anymore. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, I can't wear purple. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's funny like i got a tweet today or like yesterday from a dude you know uh, uh appreciate this dude that was talking about hickman leaving the x-men mm-hmm. and then made made a special mention of fallen angel saying like he really found that to be an interesting surprise and i was like oh dude don't do that man they gonna come for you bro like like they gonna find you now you know like yeah. be careful be careful what you rep hey, i want you to get hurt <laughs> <laughs> It's it aggravates me that people do that. Uh, it happens to me less because I've gotten better with the block button and who I follow and sure. stuff like that. For but, sure. I mean, I just if I even if I really don't like something, if if I see like a friend like talking on on Twitter about like, oh, I love this comic and like I I love this issue, I love this trade, I'm not gonna like hop in there and be like, yeah, you know, I thought it sucked and yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I just I don't know, like, well, you know, man, I tell you, like. I'm super, super patient with all that because um, for, I don't, okay, here's the thing about social media. Here's the thing about the internet, message boards, discords, all of it, right? You never know what somebody is going through. You know, I I don't know. And uh, somebody could be having a really rough time. Yeah. And the one place where they have agency or they feel they have agency is when they're giving an opinion about this movie or that comic Mm. book or that video game or whatever. And it's affirming for them because maybe they don't have a lot of agency in other places in their life, you know? And um, I, I I understand that. And so like, I try to just, if someone comes at me directly, I don't care what anybody says if I'm not involved in it. You know I mean? Whatever. You can call me anything you want, (laughs) but you know, know, do your worst. Um, But if, uh, uh, if I'm getting some of that, that static directed back at me, either I just won't engage, right? Like if I just don't have the patience to engage in a, in a, in a genteel way, I just Mm -hmm. won't engage. But if I do engage, I try to do it in a way that sort of pulls the conversation towards a better place, you know? Um, And I found that the vast majority of the time when someone comes at you and they got their fangs out and they're holding a dagger in each hand, if you're just like, whoa, 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 okay, so let's talk about it a little bit or like, what's going on? Like, generally, like, people will calm down. Some people won't calm down because some people are just sociopaths with the internet. That happens. (laughs) Um, But I also find that those people realize when when they they realize they can't really get a rise out of you, they got to go play their games with somebody else. Like, Hannibal Lecter only likes to talk to people that like to talk back you know if you just look at them like 
he won't forget it. Like he'll just go back to drawing churches in Venice or something until someone comes in and wants to play the game. Um, but, but yeah, you just, you never know what somebody's going through. Right. And so, especially if someone's Twitter handle is the thing they love, you know, so they're, they're like really repping identity through their fandom. Mm -hmm. That means they have a lot of skin in that game, you know, and there's a lot of self-esteem they're getting from being a fan of this thing and knowing what the proper way is to do this. And that's the improper way. And, and there's a longer conversation we can get into some other time about, you know, how in a, in a culture that's getting more and more secular, we're sort of replacing religion with pop culture mythology in emotional ways that we don't understand, you know? Yep. Um, but so all of that is at play, right? And so um, uh, I just, you know, it's easy for me to be patient with it. And I got a really good life. You know, I'm grateful for a lot of things, you know? And so I, um, it's like, you know, like Jay Cole says in his record, like, you know, like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a reason to complain about nothing is what he says, you know? And so <laughs> that's true. Right. So like, uh, I can't be getting mad at somebody yelling and, you know, go, go on and yell at me if it makes you feel better, you know, <laughs> drink water, wear a mask. You're here you're, you're to hear folks. Yell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yell like, at Brian. Yell at me, you know, I, look, I'd rather they come at me with it because I can kind of, you know, then, yeah. then for them to come at somebody else that might really internalize it and get super upset and have to go to talk space about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you read you read a comic book I wrote, you didn't like it, you spent five bucks. I'm sorry. I you know I <laughs> don't want to tell you. Yeah. Do you think it's um I I mean it, it sounds like because I was wondering, I was I wanted your opinion and you kind of stated it that if if writing for the big two with how vocal people get, how nasty sometimes people can get, and how mm. how very intensely personal people can take these characters, and if you do something that they don't agree with, it's it, like you said, it's it's turning into almost like a godhead in a religion that we're oh, replacing it's, stuff it's, with. It's like Ryan Johnson committed blasphemy. <laughs> like that's what happened, right? Like yeah. it, it. This was not a conversation about a movie. Like he had like an apocryphal gospel that <laughs> people were just like, mm, this is not my Christ. You know, <laughs> and I was like, you know, so, but that's that's what's on on the table these days. It it can be kind of crazy. I don't that doesn't prevent me from working on something. Okay. Um, because I don't really have to engage uh, mm. all of that. Also, I usually feel that if I'm working on something, I I I understand the essence of the thing. Yeah. You know, and so I even with what I want to do, feel like it's still kind of part of that experience, you know? Like, maybe I made a miscalculation with X-Men because the essence of the X-Men had changed and I hadn't uh, realized that it had changed, you know? Um, but, you know, with like Batman stuff or, or uh, you know, um, any sort of library stuff, did like a Miles Morales issue, did like a Hulk thing. Like, as long as I understand like the essence of what it is, I feel like it's okay. But what I won't work on are things where I just want to be a fan. I never want to be part of it, mm. which is why you've never seen me work on Star Wars stuff. Okay. Because I like Star Wars and I don't want to know how the donuts are made. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to know. There is a person at Disney Lucasfilm who tells you if the lightsaber can be this color and if the braid <laughs> is on this side or that side. I don't want to know who that person is. I don't want to email from them. I don't want to know anything about that. I just want to get my donuts and then eat them and have them taste good. Like, so like Star Wars is like, that's it. That's, I don't have a lot of things. I work on Batman. I work on Titans. 
you know, we're the Power Rangers, uh, we're going evil. Like, I got a lot of things where I know all about the donuts. I know whose breast smells bad and the other thing and the other. I don't want to know nothing about Star Wars. <laughs> I won't be 12 years old every time I watch a movie. I want to know who's a jerk, who's not a jerk, you know, who doesn't, no, no knowledge, no knowledge. <laughs> so that's like one of the things where I just won't, that, that won't do it. I don't care. Like Kathleen Kennedy, bless her heart. She could call me up tonight and be like, Brian, we're going to finance a trilogy. Is your own Star Wars trilogy. You can direct all three of them. And I would say, you know, Miss Kennedy, I appreciate you. I'm going to have to tell you no. Because no. <laughs> I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Like, I just want to be totally naive. It's like the one thing I have where I can just be a kid and enjoy it without yeah. having a business experience negotiating the thing. You know, I don't want the bad taste in my mouth because I really wanted, they should have paid me t- double X, but they only paid me one and a half X and I'm carrying that. In the, mm, no, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that after <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> well, that's good. That's well. I, I would do. I would just be scared of the. Like, I mean, I, I would. In my mind, I'm like, I would take the Star Wars money. But like, just seeing how, how like intense that fan base is, like, it's. I, I, I've just, I've watched like nerds chase people off social media, and it's, it's crazy what they can do when they, when they all like get oh, together and want to hate something, and that's and yeah. Star Wars is like a target a lot. <laughs> like, well, I think, I think part of it is the way the story is built. I mean, it's a story that does have some spiritualism within it, right? And so, part of Star Wars does access the parts, parts of our brain that, that uh, align with spirituality, you know, in a way, right? So it. It, it does interface with some aspects of religion in some ways. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, the, I, the, the metaphysical, like... Right. Every, you know, like this thing that flows through us all. And yeah, we're I mean, all the animist view like, of the universe. I mean, that yeah. is a that is a that um, is an ancient metaphysical concept, you know, um, all of that. And it, it talks about the essence of good and, and evil and the possibility of redemption and, and resurrection in ways and, and all. And, and so even if consciously we, we accept and love it as story, I think subconsciously, it does sort of activate some of those religious synapses. You know, it, it does become fandom as a bit of a belief system, right? Mm. That has its own gospels. Uh, it has its own Mecca now, you know? Yeah. There's a <laughs> geographical location that you can visit. <laughs> right like like think about that oh my god that's yeah that's ridiculous that's uh, so true but that's so ridiculous yeah and it's got its own (laughs) convention that's like an annual pilgrimage yeah and at the pilgrimage you receive the gospels from those who from the from the high council right like it's a little like like if you were an alien and you were just looking at this you'd be like (laughs) they have an interesting belief system interesting way because it has all of the things it has all of the rituals in a lot of ways of religion and and luke skywalker is a bit like a saint Mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways for people and so there are there are emotional expectations that people have of the character you know there are people who have waited in some way you know 35 years or something to revisit luke skywalker on screen um Mm -hmm. and and i understand like how that can happen you know i get it like i'm 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 sympathetic uh i'm empathetic i don't know sympathetic I am because I don't know how much of your personal life you want to hand over to someone else's artistic decision making like that's probably not 
not wise, but I'm <laughs> empathetic uh, with being in that state, right? Of of just like having this expectation, and then you know, and just not being in the mood for the left turns, you know, just mm-hmm. not being in the mood for the deconstruction, right? And and so. I get, I get that. I, I, I don't think that that it's cool to assume that the creator wanted to injure you personally. Yeah, that's you know, what I don't get. Because I, I you know, I, I, I met uh, Ryan once, like briefly. Um, he's a nice guy. You know, he just, he just seemed like a solid dude. I mean, this was before he was like Ryan Johnson. You know, it was like he'd done like <laughs> Brick or you know, and Brick is dope. But like he, he hadn't, you know. Um, I'm sure he won't remember it. Uh, maybe he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I did meet that loudmouth black guy." Um, but. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, he's, he seems like a solid dude. Like, and so I just wish people would understand, like, no one's trying to hurt you. Like, it's not, they're not doing it to you. They, they see something different in it than you do. And yes, mm-hmm. they have the opportunity and the platform to create from that place of difference. And you may not, and you may not feel that's re- that's, that's fair. And those are all fine feelings to have. But that's not the fault of the person, you know, it's just the kind of, kind of, of the thing that what is, and, and uh, uh, never let someone's derivation of a thing ruin your love of the thing, you know, like you could just ignore it yeah, and just focus on what you like and focus on those experiences you like, you know, there are a lot of albums that I just don't mess with it because I like the other ones better. Like, you know, <laughs> like you got the tool poster on the thing. Fear Inoculum is not my favorite tool album. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I just think it feels more like, it feels like an album full of the cuts between the hot cuts. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, it's like, it's like, it's like you, okay, you have all of those, but I didn't get like a, the pot on this record. I didn't mm-hmm. get like a parabola on this record. You know, <laughs> I like, like I was kind of waiting for like when, when, when it would start. Um, and now I can appreciate it for what it is. And obviously then these dudes are like grandfathers now. So maybe they just don't bang <laughs> as hard as they used to bang, you know? Like I understand you're 60 years old or something, you want some like this body holding me. Like you, <laughs> you might not be there anymore. Maybe you're a little more harmonic, right? Yeah. Totally understand. Um, but but yeah, but it doesn't mean that like I I get rid of you know undertone. Throw out all your records. Yeah, like, <laughs> so listen to undertone. Like I guess to listen to prison sex and whatever like you know like it's not it's so so we have this tendency to to just like oh this day happened and now it ruined everything like, it, it always only ruining it if you let it ruin yeah Especially i'm seeing now. that a lot with uh Substack right now because uh, oh, yeah. all, the, all these like the, you know you got the you got first of all you just have people that hate digital comics and everything right, that, right, that right. like it's the the ruin the ruination of the world in digital comics Armageddon. <laughs> like, this sign all the end over. times it's all over now <laughs> the mark the mark of the beast is in the, the digital is save yourself <laughs> but yeah I've, I've seen a lot of people just say like well this is where comics are going i'm done and I, what i've told people is like you know i grew up on x-men I grew up on Batman. Uh, I'm in comics for the good stories, right? Yeah. Uh, that led me to indie comics where it was eye-opening, like, you know, like all the crazy comics that are in indie, like there's something for everybody. Uh, that led me into Kickstarter where like these crowdfunded stuff, like highly polished, wonderful narratives that mm-hmm. just are having a hard time finding a home. There's amazing comics on Kickstarter. Like I follow the stories. If there's good stories on Substack, I'm going to check them out. I'm not scared scared of it i don't think it's gonna ruin anything like you're bringing up a larger issue right so so you know and i don't want to delve into it too deep at the end of your podcast here but like the (laughs) format will always change right and so i was just talking about this in like another podcast 
We have a tendency to lionize the format that we were introduced to because that's what we knew and that's what we brought into our lives, right? And mm -hmm. so that was the way. And when something changes that, we tend to resist it because it's different than what we knew. But what we don't really understand or don't keep in mind is format is always changing in some way, you know, and yeah. uh, just because you grew up with it doesn't mean it's the only way it can be. Mm -hmm. And and as a as a, any sort of, of creative business, they have to respond to the world that is. They can't protect the world that was. Yeah. Because if you try to do that, invariably you're going to wind up behind the eight ball and you can't, right? And so, um, and one thing doesn't destroy the other. I mean, look, one of my concerns in our new digital future uh, is the survival of the mom and pop comic book store, mm -hmm. right? Because if less people are buying physical issues and less people are going to stores and those are small businesses and, you know, and we want to support these small businesses. We don't want to be in a world where it gets harder and harder to have an independent business around entertainment, right? Like yeah. that's, that's not great. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, another podcast, I can talk about ideas, I think that can help, you know, those small stores survive the, the cultural evolution we're in the middle of right now. So I do think about that quite a bit. Um, I, am, I am very left of center, but I'm also, you know, certainly uh, thinking a lot about, you know, small businesses and maintaining that kind of core part of the American economy. And, and um, I don't want to see people 3D printed out of their jobs. I don't yeah. want to see people digitally distributed out of their out of their stores. You know, and so I think about that a lot. Um, but being said, uh, you know, I think that it's it's not that a digital comic book is going to keep you from ever having a physical copy. Sometimes digital adoption is proof of of concept enough to have a prestige physical copy out mm -hmm. there because you know that people want to read it, right? Um, I also think about independent creators who cannot afford the overhead of printing, but what they can do is build a newsletter, build a digital audience, release their stuff digitally and get people reading their work. Um, and from that, they can build careers off of that. I think that's a good thing. You know, um, you know, I think obviously before you, you leap into a platform like Substack, MailChimp, whatever you have, I would suggest really researching the platform, researching the business model, making sure like where the trademarks and the copyrights and, you know, all of that stuff lives before you're going to, um, put your, your identity, your library of content on a platform. I mean, it's the same thing about YouTube, right? Like YouTube is really interesting. There's a lot of potential there. Obviously people make a lot of money, but you're also sort of at the whims of Google mm. at any point you could wake up and your channel could be radically altered in terms of its outreach or gone if they just decided to unplug it, right? Yeah. Which is kind of a scary thing. So, so, so something like Substack, what scares me about it is, well, if you're building a huge fan base, a huge mailing list through this, this technology that you don't control at all, at any point, someone can just turn it off. You know, and then you've lost that connection. What happens to the archive of work that you've done? Like, what are the Substack archives like? I don't know. Like, you know, are you able to post and then, you know, kind of download it all and then house it on like a terabyte drive or something? Yeah, I, I don't know. These are these are things I think about, right? Um, yeah, I'm, oh, we don't. A lot of us, that's one of the big critiques right now is no one... No one knows what, especially in the comics part of it, no one knows what kind of e-reader deal, deal they're going to have or if right. they're just going to download a PDF. Like some people were talking about releasing a couple pages every other week, which I mean, comics already, the, the serialized aspect of it is tricky sometimes because like, 
a lot of a lot of comics read better as a trade you know and 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 some of these stories suffer when you get 22 pages a month uh and then and then if there's a delay like what if it's two or three months between issues like you're gonna that that pacing and tension gets lost a little bit in that time frame for sure well one of the things i'm doing you know when i mentioned like my kind of art fashion film music thing that i'm I'm doing um it's it's almost like it's kind of a, a warholian sort of ongoing project that i'll just be launching and then constantly feeding content into that that's more uh not this a personal but a more of an unfiltered view of my imagination right into that place but anyway part of that will be uh one shot issues uh mm. that are just like self-contained stories that i really just intend to upload and people can download them for free like i'm not even gonna charge people because i keep the rights because i'm just uploading it myself to my own platform so mm. i have the media rights to it and i can always make myself whole again on adaptation so i don't need to charge people for it um and i'll be putting like single issue stories up and i'm and i'm dealing with making sure like e-reader formats work or you know how, how does this feed in you know um i mean maybe there's a comicsology thing that can happen where i can like get it make it free for people but still like run it through their platform so at least mm-hmm. i know the formatting stuff is right you know but these are all the things to kind of consider when when we're thinking about housing everything digitally so um because what you don't want is friction of the user experience right like that's that's what will prevent people from engaging the rest of your content if they're frustrated because they're only getting five pages then they gotta wait two months you know so one of my rules is if you're going to do digital stuff um make sure people can download an entire experience you know at least have an issue i think like you can do an issue by issue if you want if you got a five issue thing but i would probably also bank a couple issues before you upload something so that you don't have crazy unforeseen delays yeah. you know like ideally you'd have five done and then you would upload them and you'd know that they would be uploaded uh at regular time and then i and i think you know you want to make sure that you give um other content in between those issue releases you know i don't know if it's like sketches it could be prose you know Maybe it's just like an interesting thing that expands the world a little bit. You got to give people a reason to come back um, uh, to kind of keep them involved there. And people often underestimate the difference between doing an independent book that gets published by image that's marketed largely through image sources where you have a person that's marketing for you. You have a person that's doing these things, doing store outreach for you, right? And then you go on podcasts and do interviews with blogs and all that, you know, collate your reviews, get your pull quotes and the whole thing. That's a whole different world from essentially running your own business off of a Substack. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about subscribers that are paying every month, you know, you got to make sure they're getting value for what they're paying for every month. Mm-hmm. And and there's no like established price point for any of this. You know, yeah. is it $9.99? Is it $5.99? Is it a dollar every month? Like, you know, it's so cowboy right now. So I what I think what I'm going to do is I am going to build a newsletter um, that will largely be connected to this mysterious art project I keep hinting at, um, where people can get a range of content from me, but I'm going to keep it free uh, and and sort of treat it like my online magazine. Okay. Right. And and just kind of see if if there's real value there. And then I might have certain aspects of content that I'll put behind a paywall. Right. So like, you know, the, the, like the first hits free. (laughs) Well, yeah. So let's say when you you need that second fix. (laughs) Yeah. Let's say like, you know, we, you can expect like two posts a week or maybe like, you know, or two meteor posts a month or something. Right. And those will just be free. You sign up for it. You just get it. You have it. 
Um, but what if I direct a short film? Hmm. I might put the short film behind a paywall. Okay. You know, maybe you get the trailer as part of the Substack, so you can see if you're into it or not. But if you want to watch the whole thing, maybe I put that behind like a two ninety nine paywall or something. Uh, and then you can watch the short, you know, um, or what, so I'm always about like, what kind of additional value can I offer? Mm. Um, you know, cause if you, if you, so like, I, I'm happy to like do a, a book and, and there's a book you can download, you know, and every now and then maybe I'll have f- f- four issues a year where there'll be self-contained stories that the reader can download. Cool. Um, but I might put other stuff behind something of a paywall, you know, depending on what it was. Um, but I'm kind of working all those things out, uh, and and figuring out what what is the model that rewards the customer the most right like what what makes it what makes it really valuable for someone so when it shows up in their email they're like oh cool because i know it's cool every time i go i'm I'm thinking about that more than i'm thinking about how i can make money off of it or, or something you know i think that's a really good way to think about it and like i mentioned earlier like the the stuff that your works that I've experienced are very cool. Like you have a really, or you have like a really dope vibe in your, in your narratives and your characters and the, the, this mystery project, like I'm, I'm excited for it. Like you gotta, you got a subscriber out of me. At least like you got one. Oh, it's gonna be cool, man. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there'll be, there'll be details about it soon, but, uh, but, um, yeah, like it's, I'm real. all these different kind of sort of connectivity opportunities we have out here with content. Like it's, it's a kind of a crazy landscape. I'm really interested to see what Donnie Cates is doing. Cause I see that Donnie is really going all in with Ryan Stegman mm-hmm. on his Substack, And it seems like he has a real plan. Donnie usually has a plan. Uh, yeah. so that dude is always one to really watch. Um, so I think he's going to make great use of it. Uh, Hickman um, Hickman going to Substack is, yeah. is a pretty big statement. And Hickman is, like, you know, like you know, and, and with what Tinyan's doing, like uh, so so there. But see, what, but see, now we were looking at the landscape. Now it's like the Jonathan Hickman, James Tinyan, um, Donnie Cates thing, right? Now, if they're all charging subscription rates for it, let's say let's say that each of them are charging four ninety nine, and you like all of them, and a lot of people do like all of them, that's fifteen dollars out the door, yep. yeah, right. So how much money is the individual willing to spend on more subscriptions on top of the Hulu and the Netflix? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like at some point we get tired of being nickel and dimed Mm. on the Visa card every month, right? So I wonder what is our saturation point, right? So that's why I'm thinking what I'll do with my Substack is keep it free, keep it cool and interesting double down on the parts of my vibe that are different than a lot of people in the space. And instead of saying, hey, pay every month, I just might have certain offerings that are behind a paywall. So you're still going to get the cool Substack in your email. But if you want to watch this thing or you want to see this other thing or, you know, get get a behind the scenes look at this or what have you, that stuff might be tiered. But it's not critical, right? You don't have to do it to be able to get it. I think that might be a better way to go um, just in a world where, you know, if two more Tom King does one and someone else does one, that's like 25 bucks out the door. Yeah. Right. There. No, right. Right now I was talking to some buddies, some other podcast buddies about it. And, you know, we're every, I, like I said, I'm excited about it. I think it could be really cool. You know, um, yeah, yeah. just, just like Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder's doing writing classes. A lot of people yeah, are excited yeah, yeah. to, cause he used to teach, you know, like, well, Scott's that's how got tiny value, right? Scott, yeah. you know, the great thing about Scott is Scott is constantly offering value. Yeah. You know, and he's a very easy follow that 
that guy. Um, and one of the sweetest guys in the game too. Like he's, he's super nice. And always he's like, always, he's always like his Twitter's like dad of the year. I love it. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's always just been such a, super cool to me and he's getting yoked, man. Like, have you seen his Instagram? Like he's getting yeah, swollen he's, Yeah. Like he's, go, he's going after Greg. Cause when, yeah. they, when him and Greg started working on Batman was when like Greg got him into like working out and now yeah. he's, yeah, now he's like jacked. Yeah. It's like between him and, and, and Capullo and like Phil Jimenez, man, I don't, don't be messing around in DC. I know, dude. They like, put the, they'll put the daddy hand on you. The, <laughs> you know, you don't want that daddy hand now. Um, I think it's it's wise to take a step back and then think about how you can build a mousetrap that offers a differing kind of value yeah. um, rather than just be like, okay, well, because everyone can't get five bucks a month from everybody. And I know people have different audiences, but some of these audiences cross-pollinate, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how it how it plays out that's what some of us like the the bloggers and the podcast guys is, is what we're looking at is is like ella we do love a lot of these creators and every every week man a couple more people are signing up for Substack, and you're like i think we i added it up the other night if you everybody that has a Substack right now if you subscribe to all of them it's just shy of 50 bucks a month that's and like lot. that's yeah that's that's a bill yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean now we're paying a bill right yeah <laughs> and that's what i mean like that, that you know like that it, that can get kind of cray right and so um and, and and 50 bucks that is if you are doing like bare minimum tier yep. right yep. like it, it, if you're if you're deluxing everybody you know you, it you goes up multiply yeah. that by three four <laughs> what have you right yeah you know and and so we and, and this is just a business thing across the board because we're in this this uh you know kind of broadcasting society this this it's so easy to commoditize ourselves, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, we're in a world where everyone has an OnlyFans. Everyone has a this. <laughs> everyone has a this. Everyone, we're like, we're all like charging each other $5 a month for the thing, you know? And it's so, <laughs> it, it gets a little crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's finding out where is uh where is the new value being added. But I think a lot of it's gonna also be like content, you know, like just yeah, having different kinds of content and um and uh just making sure that uh and everything is 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 capital, right? Time is capital, attention is capital. So uh, when I say that, like, I'll make it free. Well, nothing's really free because even to engage with it, you're giving me time. Mm. You're giving me presence in your, in your creative life. Right. And, and that is, that's capital, right. That, uh, um, you can use, you know, awareness is capital. Right. So, uh, I think it just lives in terms of value and just making sure that you're offering, you know, uh, more than people are paying for, uh, constantly, you know, and, and, yeah. and keeping it that way. Otherwise, there's a saturation point that just hits where you're like, you know what? I, I can't, yeah. I no more monthly anything. Just, yeah. Nope. Don't care. We'll see. It's the psychological comfort of, I'm glad I have it. Right. I'm yeah. glad I have it though. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I opened Hulu. <laughs> right. Like, just no cap. I cannot remember the last time I opened up Hulu, but, but I, you can't get rid of it. Cause you might, you might need, need it. it. <laughs> Cause they might have that one thing that I want to see that one time. So I better right? have it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it's wild. Like, like we should be the geniuses that decide to bundle all of this up and call it cable. That, yeah. <laughs> That's where the new billionaire is going to come from, from the, from the streaming package. That's what we call it. We call it the streaming package. 
that's what I'm kind of hoping Substack does eventually. Yeah. Like, because I, I, it'd be cool if they were like 25 bucks a month, you get access to basic tiers from our comic creators, like, or well, something you know, like, like, that's funny you bring that up. I thought about that. Like, I, I was thinking like, if, if uh, these guys that all have their separate Substacks, if they banded together mm-hmm. and they were like, why don't we just do like a one tier thing and you get access to everybody's joint, you know, and you kind of work out that digital split and then in the and then you can always like tear up everyone's individual thing too but um i even think like it's funny like psychologically there's a difference between me individually giving five people five dollars because i think the fifth one might get left right mm. maybe the fourth one gets left and i cut that down to 15 because i'm really into so and so also really into them sort of into them these other two I can catch up to when I want to. And so then then it's that that five only really converts to 15 bucks. Yeah. But if you told me it was 25 bucks a month and I get access to all five, right? Well, I psychologically I feel like that's my that's maybe a better deal. And also now folks can coordinate with each other, right? So like if if you sort of tribe it up, then Donnie releases on the first week, James releases on the second week, so-and-so releases on the third week. So until releases on the fourth week. And now the individual creators, they get like a month before they have to put up new content, but a subscriber gets something new every week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're, and so you're using that gap time because what happens if like Donnie and James and -and so-and-so all drop in the same week? Cool. But then I don't have anything the next week or the week Mm -hmm. after the week after. Right. So I think like, there's a lot of conversations to be had about how to structure this out for the greatest benefit for both the creators and for the subscribers, Yeah, you know, and, and how, how you can, like I said, it's, it's, it's holistic. Like you have to think like a, like you're running a business, you're running a company now, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a different, thing than than just making content and getting content released it's probably better if creators were able to link up uh and just help create that 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 audience grow that audience by making it really value additive to join up on this platform well and then it starts turning into a deal like when like when jim lee and the milestone guys left the big two and made image like then you're Mm -hmm. like and that was a, that was a special time in comics, mm-hmm. man. People still talk about that. That was a huge deal. For sure, and for and sure. and this this has an opportunity to become something cool. Like I, like I said, I'm really excited about it. I would love to cover it on the blog. I'm trying to figure out how, at least to begin with, how I can financially do it. Because nickel and dime, like it's you know, I'm getting like for this art thing, I got trademarks I I put in and getting that stuff. It's uh, it, there's just like an associated cost with this stuff, and it adds up. You know, yeah. I have to I, I have to go through my own bank statements with the highlighter and be like, what the hell is that, and why am I paying ten dollars a month for it? <laughs> oh, it's a it's post made special whatever. You know what? Chicken nuggets aren't that important. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So to wrap up, I'll definitely keep an eye out for your super secret project. Sounds like you're doing a little bit different than these other creators are doing. I like the multimedia aspect that you're kind of hinting at. And I think that sounds super cool. Sure. Um, Brian, where can we find you online? Where's a good okay. place to hit I mean, you up at? You know, I'm, and when it comes to social media, I'm fairly active on two platforms. So my Twitter feed, which is at Brian Edward Hill, uh, and it's Brian with a Y. Um, that's where I talk to people the most is Twitter, but I also have an Instagram. My IG is Brian E Hill again, Brian with a Y. So like my IG is more of like my art shit. Like if you want to, you know, get outside of just the comics and the stuff, like 
that's more of my art stuff. Um, and then Twitter is where I talk to people about writing and, and, you know, and I try to, you know, be as honest as I can and share insight. And it, it's great for me too. I warm up, get a cup of coffee and kind of get the brain going by talking to people. So, you know, find me on there. And, and when I can announce some other things I'm working on, I got some cool things coming down the line. I'll let people know. Very cool, man. I, like I said, I'm excited for it. Uh, Blake's buzz is here for you. I think you're, uh, I think you're a good, uh, force in the community. Like I said, I really appreciate you just not only showing off your stylish mass, but just spreading the good word about like, Hey, let's be safe. Uh, we're all here on this planet together, all that good stuff. I love your writing. I so appreciate you coming on my show. Like, this is awesome. Like getting to talk to you is so, so cool. Like for real. Well, well you like, know, in, in, the, in the words of, uh, of the late Dusty Rhodes, you know, when you, when you see me out there and you want to bring the fight over here, you just remember daddy, that this is some risky business, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you should be you should have a podcast like you would be foolish it would just be me and my <laughs> foolishness for like two hours thank you so much thanks to everyone listening and 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 everyone stay safe you know stay happy uh and drink water drink water read chariot <laughs> drink water read chariot right on all right folks that wraps up another episode of blake's buzz i'm just going to touch on some housekeeping topics pop in after the episodes just to kind of let you guys know what's going on i think everybody noticed and after the announcements we are now going to release on sundays gives me more time to edit uh so we will now be releasing every sunday i would also like to talk about drive through comics i've recently uh gotten into an affiliate program with drive through comics they are an online digital comics retailer. Unlike other big retailers that most of us use, they let you download the digital file so that you can use any e-reader you want. You can put the file on your Google Drive or a Jump Drive or your Dropbox. You can save it, do whatever with it. It does have a small watermark. It's not a traditional watermark. It's got your name and the order number at the bottom of the page. It's very unobtrusive. They do that to deter from pirating. It kind of helps them keep track of stuff. If the file start getting shared. I think they're really cool. They have sales every week. They have a daily special. Their pricings are competitive. They have some great indie comics from Vault, Valiant, Top Cow, and Source Point Press, who if you know me, you know I love me some Source Point Press. We are also on Discord. That's right. Blake's Buzz does Discord. Come join the hive. I have links everywhere. All are welcome. Don't be a jerk. I want to have a nice uh, place for, for nice people where we post reviews. I post about all things Blake's Buzz, place where we can post like food and drink pics because I know a lot of you guys like when I cook the foods. Got a bunch of rooms. Uh, we're sharing previews. Uh, it, it's a cool place. So, you know, come on down to the hive, join it. If you like what we're doing here at Blake's Buzz and you like the podcast, you like the blog, you like the reviews, you like all that good stuff. If you want to support us, you can get you can buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. That's ko-fi.com slash Blake's Buzz. Everything is appreciated nothing is expected next sunday we're going to be talking about goblin for the original graphic novel from dark horse eric grissom and will perkins are going to be coming by to talk about this awesome book which i highly recommend i'm really excited for you guys to hear that talk with them as always blake's buzz does appreciate you all seriously without you guys none of this would be happening uh you're the ones who are reading the blog you're the ones who are listening to the podcast you're the reason that these awesome guests are wanting to talk to me and i do appreciate Appreciate it. You know how we feel here. Love more, hate less, read comics. We'll see you next week. <laughs>